This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. The Jay Severin Show. Let me see. Let me see. I, I'm sorry. You, you caught me with static cling. Do you remember that commercial? No, I don't have static cling. Uh, you've caught me with a kind of cosmic, psychic, political static cling. I guess that still doesn't help us if you don't remember the commercial. What I mean to say is I'm still searching as we go to air on how to meet my obligation to be utterly candid and not to have you want to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge, you know, before Donald Trump sells it to you anyway. Excelsior! Welcome back, best and brightest. I am Jay Severin. You are, seems to me I've seen you somewhere before. You are the best and brightest. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network. One, triple eight, no, sorry, one, triple eight, nine hundred, three, three, nine, three. One, triple eight, nine hundred, three, three, nine, three. I just learned overnight uh, via BBC that there is a 12-hour train ride on which 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 offers a personal compartment a sit a a a a, a sit up a sit in a day bed a overnight whatever there's a 12-hour train ride from sydney to melbourne australia and I never knew about it. I just, I learned today. See, I suppose back in the day, I probably wouldn't have, been, as much as I've always loved train travel, I would never, as a young single man, I probably would never have invested uh, 12 hours in a train ride, which, but now is my dream. Now, my dream is the longest train ride there is, but I, I can't be on top you know, with the porters. I, I have to have a, a little private compartment. Um, but the longest train ride available with a private compartment is my dream. And I don't know where that would be. I, mean, I think probably the Trans-Siberian uh, Railroad in Russia would offer the longest rides, but... I'm not sure they'd be uninterrupted. I mean, no, you, no, no changing of trains, and no squeezed in next to uh, two uh, Russian versions of Hillary Clinton, only with bigger mustaches. 
and bigger asses. No, I couldn't handle that. But see, I'm just trying to put this off because it's a another day when I have a choice between reporting and commenting uh, uh, on the truth or trying to go for something a little lighter. So you know what? Damn it. Let's go for something a little lighter for the open of the show today than American politics. Although this ultimately engages, as everything does, the politics of our country and you and me. But So let's go with something lighter, lighter than Donald Trump's political uh, status as of this moment. I, I, I wish to underscore. As of this moment, you know this is a game of bumper cars. You know this is a cosmic Ferris wheel. You you know it's up and down. Right now it's down. Right now the market in Trump's is down. So you have to decide. You hold on to your Trump's or do you sell? Sell! I'm not recommending. I'm not putting in a sell order. But What I'm doing is suggesting we go to something, let's start with something lighter than Donald Trump's current poll numbers. Terrorism. Yeah, I said something lighter. Terrorism in London. Last night in London, five women and one man, five women and one man, The women were from the United States of America, Australia, New Zealand, United Kingdom. The man, I believe, was a Londoner. And all of them, last night, in a very popular area of central London, decided to, uh, as, as Dickens, I'm sure put it in several passages of his works, to <clears throat> take a post-supper walkabout, to, to take the air abroad. I'm going abroad to take the air. That used to mean I'm going for a walk in the neighborhood. And so, last night, six people, five of them tourists, uh, so far as I can discern, decided to take some air in jolly old London. Soon thereafter, all six people had been stabbed. Pardon me. The London man remains in critical condition. Four of them in a condition unknown to me, though I think not moribund. And the American woman, our countryman, our fellow citizen, our fellow American, who decided on what was, whether it was their first time or not, was doubtless a dream trip to jolly old London. She decided to go abroad to take some air of an evening. 
And she was, along with the other five, stabbed. Viciously stabbed, attacked, stabbed with a knife in the American woman's case, stabbed to death. Now, you might think that this sounds like terrorism to you. I just want to quickly add that they have a hold of the murderer. The murderer is 19 years old, and I'll bet you could probably tell me what comes next. But but I am going to take the liberty, uh, with your indulgence, of telling you what comes next. The 19-year-old attempted murderer of five people visiting London and the successful murder of an American woman out to take some air last night is, in fact, a Norwegian national. Imagine that. The murderer is a Norwegian national. A Norwegian. Therefore, in point of fact, the only required legal description of him is Norwegian. He's Norwegian. He's Norwegian. So, as you conjure an image and attempt simultaneously to conjure some cosmic, plausible explanation for why what is probably a 19-year-old, blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy named Sven who has had a pretty good life. While you conjure this good-looking blonde fellow, 19, Norwegian after all, while you contemplate whatever questions about him and this awful crime occur to you, I'm required to take a uh, quick break. And then I'll come back with what you also by now have surmised is the translation. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's. I mean, it's not going to sell your home. I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, I, I recognize that this uh, news story is rather a queer thing to open with. I, I appreciate that. Uh, 
But I do it as those of you who are partners recognize for reason or reasons that might include the somewhat unusual. Last night, six people went to take some air after supper. All six were stabbed viciously in exactly the same location as the uh, Islamist bus bombing in London a couple of years ago. Just by, I'm sure, out of sheer coincidence, it was in the same place, exactly. And the sixth stroller, an American woman, was stabbed to death. And the story has been largely spun and as a result of which largely dismissed as of this hour by the world's media exactly because the Muslim mayor of London, you did know, yes, that in the recent mayoral elections, in London, London, England, I mean. Yeah. In, in London, England, the mayor is a Muslim, and he doesn't sound terribly moderate to me. The first one is a fact. The second one is my opinion. But the statement issued by the office of the Lord Mayor of London is, listen carefully, we thus far have found... No hard evidence of radical terrorism. Rather, we suspect it may be mental illness. Okay. That's the statement from the Muslim mayor of London. There's no hard evidence of radical terror. Rather, we we, we suspect perhaps it's mental illness. The 19-year-old murderer, as I mentioned, is Norwegian. As I originally said, he's a Norwegian subject because he is Norwegian. But he doesn't have blonde hair and blue eyes. And I'm not suggesting that his hair or eye color is the swing fact here. What I am suggesting is that when I tell you he's a 19-year-old Norwegian, perhaps it's not what you expected or somehow psychically confusing in, in in what you would expect as a fact pattern for this story. Well, you're right. Because the 19-year-old murderer is, as a matter of technical law, Norwegian. And he's been Norwegian for months. Months and months. Maybe even a couple of years. But he was born and raised culturally, religiously, every other way. Not in Norway, but in a very, very southern Norwegian village that few people who visit Norway visit. It's called Somalia. 
It's called Mogadishu in Somalia. Translation. He is an African. He is virtually, certainly a Muslim. And he is certainly a murderer who knifed five people, one of the six people, one of them to death, all of them white, just by coincidence. And the Muslim Lord Mayor of London issued a statement saying, you know, we just haven't found any hard evidence of, of terror. You know, and adding to that is, after all, the kid's a Norwegian. Okay. I'm, my further comment is going to be limited out of respect and out of frustration and out of heartbreaking sadness for one of the places I grew up dreaming about. And when I got to visit for the first time, when I, any time I ever visited London, I had stars in my eyes. Uh, when I was going to sleep at night, I had the regular fairy tales read to me, but I also had Dickens read to me. When I was just old enough to still be read to, but still young, you know, still young enough to be read to, but old enough to appreciate certain passages, certain stories from like the Pickwick Papers or Nicholas Nickleby. London, to me, I admit, was an idealized 18th and 19th century London. The London of my mind probably never existed because it was a hard time to live. It was a very hard time to live. And if you, if you were not to the manor born, then it was no great shakes being a Londoner, probably. It was probably a hard, short, brutal life living in London if you were not born with a silver spoon. So I admit the London I fantasized about all my life largely, largely may have been idealized, but I first saw it as an adolescent. And then other times in young adulthood and adulthood. And London had yet to become... Londonistan. London was still London. If you stuck to a couple of square miles uh, of certain uh, landmarks and within central London, you were in the London of Dickens still. This ancient city of the world, this legendary city. And it would make perfect sense that an American might think to take a breath of foggy air after supper by walking one of London's famous squares without being stabbed to death by I'm in London I'm taking some air after dinner and I'm stabbed to death by someone from Somalia oh wait I forgot he's a Norwegian now he's a Norwegian now so our fellow citizen is dead, uh, others lay abed in hospital, and old London 
Jolly Old London, which maybe you've seen or maybe you dreamed of seeing or maybe you dreamed of giving to your child the gift of seeing, of London, that is. I will repeat by again stealing from Margaret Mitchell. London, that place exists only in history books. Think of it, look for it only in history books, for it is gone with the wind. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, Jay Severin with you on the Blaze, one 3393 one The master tweets, Mr. Mayor of London, what evidence is there that mental illness motivated the London terrorist Come on, Master, give him a break. He's Norwegian. Yeah. Uh, The American, our fellow American, taking some air after supper last night in London, drawing her last breath last night in London, jolly old Londonistan, was the wife of a Florida State professor on the final day studying abroad. So, our fellow American's husband was posted to Londonistan for teaching and research during the summer term And on the final night of their stay, this borders on, it certainly, I know, uh, tragicomedy, but it's almost, you can almost begin to grasp the comic dimension of this. If someone sat this woman down 20 years ago and said, do you want to know how you'll die? You'll, you'll be mugged in London in, in a very public, I can't, I know this, I can't remember the name of the square, forgive me, but it's a no, it's a known place in London, uh, contiguous to a park and, uh, you know, if the fortune teller said, you will lose your life on uh, July 3rd, no, I'm sorry, August 3rd, 2016, uh, to a, you'll be mugged in London by a Norwegian. Okay, just wanted you to know because I don't think you're going to hear any of this otherwise. London. 
Look for it only in history books. That is the only place it remains, for it is gone, gone with the wind. As is Europe. As stated here on Monday, refugees, migrants, migration is not a cosmic spasm. It has manifested itself in first full-blown form as a cosmic spasm, but the spasmodic uh, description is not its nature. It, It started with a spasm, but it's ripening into convulsions, and it ain't stopping. It ain't stopping. The migrants and the refugees... The entire southern hemispheric population of planet Earth is at various rates of hurriedness already started to move north because of food, because of water, because of local political, cultural savagery for a lot of what we would regard as as empathetic reasons and understandable reasons. The problem is that the refugees and migrants and American liberals and European liberals either don't understand or won't ask the question or if they do, They come down on a different side than I do, and I think maybe you do, and that is these people, for what may be some very good reasons, are all moving north. The entire southern hemisphere is moving north, and it's going to be the dominant political, cultural, military, security, life issue for us and our children and grandchildren for at least a hundred years. And it doesn't have an easy solution. And the problem is that the people you would expect to maybe be on your side are on the other side. They believe that these people, for one or perhaps a number of reasons, have as much right to the dwelling in which you now reside, to the water you draw from the tap, to the food you acquire by whatever means, to the land on which you sit right now, to your car, to your clothes, to your money, all of it by third world perspective, ill-gotten, criminally ill-gotten, racist, plutocratic gains. None of it's yours. It all belongs to the people of the world. And when the sub-Saharan Africans of the world and the South Americans and the Bangladeshis and the Indians, when, when the entire southern half of the planet arrives on your doorstep, you and I still believe that American immigration law is going to stop them. That, that's possible. We are an island. But 
It's not possible if half or more of your fellow citizens are on the side of the immigrants, illegal immigrants. If half of the citizens, your fellow citizens or more, believe in their rights over yours and say, come on in. I mean, Obama granted 8,000 Syrian refugees yesterday permanent resident status in the United States without knowing the name of one of them and knowing that he would never know the name of one of them. We will never know the identity of one of those 8,000 Syrians. And since virtually all of the terrorists have either come from or just come from, you know, Syria or Afghanistan or Africa, since the Shiriists are coming from there, what are the chances in 8,000 totally unchecked immigrants you're going to get some Shariists? I'd say those are pretty good odds, wouldn't you? But the New York Times doesn't want to talk about that, so shut up. Okay, I'm glad I started with the good news. I want to give you three poll numbers and a concept, all of which render everything that's happened thus far in this presidential election uh, otherwise meaningless. Now, that it is not a bleak message. It is a stark one, but it is not necessarily a bleak one. Based on everything I know, everything I've learned, everything I've done, everything I believe, if my child came to me and said, explain this to me, I've got one minute, I'd say, child, There are four things, three poll numbers and a concept, or a dynamic, I should say. Three poll numbers and a dynamic. The poll numbers as of today are this. American voters who believe that this country is seriously off on the wrong track, 70, 70 percent. That alone should elect a goat. If the goat were over 18, or wait, no, 30, 35, and an American citizen. Well, hell, Obama, you know, he just barely made it on both counts. 70% of Americans believe that we are off the rails. That alone ought to elect the challenger. And let's get this straight. In this election, technically... There isn't a challenger because technically there isn't an incumbent. But every emotional, every motivational dimension of this, we all agree on this, whichever side we're on. In this race, it's just as clear as any other race in political history, in American political history, who is the incumbent and who is the challenger. Hillary Clinton is the incumbent. In every conceivable respect, Clinton is the incumbent and Trump the challenger. Now, that single poll number, 70% 
believe the country's off the rails. That alone ought to elect Donald Trump. The second poll number is who do you trust with jobs and the economy? And by a large margin, people trust Donald Trump. That, in this particular circumstance of American history, that ought to elect Donald Trump. The third poll number is, and I hope you haven't just eaten, the third poll number is, whom do you trust most with national security? National national security. And as of today, by five points, American voters say Hillary Clinton. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. With partners. And partners, I said a moment ago, there are three poll numbers that are going to determine this thing. Right track, wrong track. Who do you trust on jobs in the economy? Who do you trust with national security? It is unsurprising to me that 70% of Americans say wrong track. It is utterly unsurprising to me that a majority of people trust Donald Trump to do what's needed with jobs in the economy. It is flabbergasting and appalling and frightening and sickening beyond words to me that as of this moment with 94 days to go, Hillary Clinton leads in who you would trust with national security. Now, I also said I had a dynamic to offer. Here's the dynamic. You want change or you want the same? See, that's the right track, wrong track question. You want change or you want the same? I know that politics has changed. I don't believe it's changed so much that the following isn't true. If Donald Trump doesn't mention this every time he opens his mouth for the next 94 days, he's going to lose. And what he has to mention in some form is... I will bring you jobs. I will invigorate the economy. I will defend our nation here and abroad. I will make us proud to be Americans. We'll make America great again. And we will change. We will flush out the system. If you want more of the same, vote for Clinton. If you want change, vote for me. Change is a far more potent dynamic in this election right now than is any other slogan available to Trump. Change, 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 change. Glenn from Wisconsin, welcome back, I believe. Yes, Jay, are you there? I am. Glenn, we have a little under, we got about a minute and a half, but if you Uh, you uh, are uh, sterling... If you are sterling, I will. Inv- we will invite you to stay over. Okay. Yeah. Thank. Thank you very much for taking my call. I was speaking with your uh, 
your lovely lady there about uh, I had gotten up early in the morning and and uh, read that article about uh, horrible things that that poor Norwegian boy was doing and um, I just I just can't believe it. I've had this in the back of my mind all along that it, it's the Scandinavians that are the problem. Uh, you know, they they sneak into our country. They don't say much. They're quiet. They're kind of standoffish and. Uh, you know, they're probably smuggling in all kinds of things in that love and, and and then then they probably made this, this young I am glad someone little... else has the intelligence and guts, sheer guts, Glenn, that that you have, along with me, to recognize that it is the Swedes, the Norwegians, oh, yeah. and those sneaky yeah. Finns that are the responsible for yes. Yeah. They're the yeah. they're the brains behind it. The Finlanders are the brains behind it. I mean, it's, it's about time it's finally come to the surface, and I think I think Trump should call for an outright ban and deportation and maybe internment of all Scandinavians. <laughs> An outright ban on any Finns coming into the United States unvetted. Glenn, that was brilliant. You don't need to come back, though I hope you will soon. Glenn has nailed it. It's the Norwegians. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest. Does the political news get better? I don't know. Does it? Very toss. Best and brightest, I am Jay Severin. We are, together, the Blaze Radio Network, 1-888-900-3393. Please call 1-888-900-3393. I see a partner has. And we are going to get to uh, Frank in just a minute here. I want you to know, that, and and I didn't know uh, halfway through the theme song that I was going to say this, uh, that's the best and worst of the show. But I do, d- despite what I recognize is a rather frenetic appearing behavior, uh, and, and, and perhaps that's characterizing it too mildly in my favor, but I know I appear like I have the attention span of a gnat on crack, but it often holds together. I mean, there is a unifying theory of the cosmos, as far as I'm concerned, if not a very fully developed one, you know, maybe in the minds of the guys at at Yale. But I have, in looking back on my life, I think I know what ruined America. What ruined America is two things. Television and plastics. Now, I, I just, just hang with me here a second. Imagine what, I'm not, you can't imagine America. No one, no one can do that. I'm just asking you to imagine you 
and your family. How would your family be different? How would your family life, how would your life be different if we smashed all the TVs or they're just much better because you can't do that, right? So at least up until now in America, suppose somehow the TV hadn't been invented. How would your life right now, tonight, Thursday night, how would your life be different if your TV didn't work? But see, it's different than that. It's that's like smashing them. No, no, it's not that they don't work. It's that it doesn't exist. You'd probably go home and you'd probably be with your family and your family would have to actually speak to each other. You have to sit down and I, look, I'm guiltier of this than anybody. I have an excuse of my career that I get to, well, I've got to watch this. It's the news. But you know what? I'd live otherwise. But what, 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 how would we live differently if there was no television? And I think there are a lot of answers I'm not going to try to go into, but I think life would seem more precious to us. I think the lives of those we love would seem more precious to us. I think every moment of our own lives and the lives we spend with those who mean the most to us in our lives would be more precious. We would know more about each other. We would care more about each other. We would be more vested in each other if there was no such thing as TV. The news of the world, which we would have to read because it would have to develop, we'd have to think, we'd have to read. It would be different. It would be better. TV ruined America. Now, the second thing that ruined America is plastic. This one is harder to defend and not have the guys show up at my house with the butterfly nets and the blazers that buckle in back with your arms. But I firmly think of, look around you right now. I don't care where you are. Look around you and imagine if we did not have chemicals that make plastic because that's what plastic is. Okay, I I have in front of me my radio microphone stand which is actually made out of metal. But as I look around me, my keyboards, my computers, my computer faces, the keyboards, my clock, my speaker, my photographs, my monitors, my uh, Comrex tower, my channel changer, my cell phone, uh, my this other monitor, my glasses, my the case my glasses go into, the air conditioner uh, which doesn't work, switch, the every, everything, 99% of everything in, in front of me uh, from dawn to dusk is made of plastic. I remember, I'm old enough to remember, not before plastic, but I do remember in the 1960s when everything was not yet made of plastic, when it was made of wood or metal. Remember when cars were made of metal? And, and I know this will be a shock to so many under the age of 40 listening. Do you know that cars used to be made of metal? 
The cars we now drive, which are made of plastic, right now, you get into, you bump into a parking meter right now, and and you pretty much total your car. That's no mistake, of course, because that's the way the car companies want it. You know, fix? Are you kidding me? Which is another thing. Who fixes anything yet? Still in America, you ever try to have anything fixed? Tell me what gets broken that gets fixed. Suppose your toaster breaks. Do people still have toasters? We have one. Suppose toaster breaks. What, do you fix it? Are you kidding me? I would have to drive 1,700 miles to a repair shop in Pennsylvania somewhere, maybe, to get my toaster fixed at a price 20 times greater than a new toaster costs. Suppose the toaster oven broke. Suppose the TV breaks. Suppose the computer breaks. Suppose anything breaks. Anything, virtually any, other than your car, what breaks that you can go have fixed? Nothing. Nothing. Nobody fixes anything. You throw it away and buy a new one. Not because it's your fault, because you have to. Because of plastics. When things were made of wood and metal... You had them for a lifetime. When things were made of wood and metal, you repaired them. There were, when things were made of wood and metal, in as much as you kept them for a lifetime or endeavored to, that means you would endeavor to fix something that broke. And therefore, there was a market for fixers. Every community had, well, I don't know about you, when I was growing up, we had a couple of three, four places. You could bring a TV set, a toaster, anything that broke, there'd be some guy who could fix it. And now, I remember, not exactly, but I remember when the tide started to turn and you would, and there would be no more repair shops anymore. And then when you could find one, you know, you'd go in and the guy would look at it and say, I can't. I can't fix this. This has all kinds of digital electronics in it. I can't fix this. You know, this would, even if I could, this would cost me more to repair than it would cost you to buy five new ones. America is different than my father's generation, and it's worse. We didn't go forward. We are the first American generation to go backward. We are the first American generation to go backward. And why? Because of television. Okay, oh, oh, gee, Jay, we know more, though, because TV, we know more. Really? Really? You think the average high school graduate knows as much about anything as the average high school graduate of your father's or grandfather's generation? Do you know then a high school diploma actually meant something? Do you know that 90% of Americans got a high school diploma and then the men went to work and the women raised the family and ran the house? And America worked pretty well, uh, pretty well. And and I know I'm going to get this thing about... Jay, don't give it, give us this crap about Father Knows Best and leave it to Beaver because it never existed. And 
for my apologies in what it lacks in originality. Believe me, it compensates for in both sincerity and authenticity. And that is, don't tell me Father Knows Best and Leave It to Beaver didn't exist. I grew up in that house. This is Jay Severin Severin. on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcoming partner, Frank from Pennsylvania. Welcome back. Veritas. Well, you're sounding, a little mis- you're sounding a little misty-eyed. I half expected all in the family's theme song for your bumper music. <laughs> I didn't say all and, in the family. I said leave and, it to Beaver and Father Knows uh, Best. But the theme song, uh, you know, anyway. Um, was great, by yeah. the way. It was a great piano rag. I forget who played it, uh, but it was a great rag played on the piano, yeah. I held for you yesterday. I ran out of time waiting. Um, You were asking about what Donald Trump not endorsing Paul Ryan. What Donald Trump said about Paul Ryan is exactly what Paul Ryan said about Donald Trump. I'm just not there yet. I know. And that's what struck me is it's it's more of, that was more about Trump's pettiness, sort of, you know, is, is like in your face. I'm going to get back at you, uh, and and that's the way I viewed that. Which just that seems to be the way it's going. Who uh, with the, with the poll numbers, people don't you know trust somebody that that behaves that way. They're more about their own vendettas. At the Everybody... risk of my own, at the risk of my own livelihood, you know. I mean, that is to say, in terms of ratings, because. It does no good to make a movie and you come on in the first scene of the movie and say, here's how it ends. <laughs> the butler did it, you know. Right. So I don't know how it ends, but the equivalent would be for me to say to you something I'm sure you already know, Frank, and that most of us here know. This thing is predetermined by the dynamics that will drive the vote or won't. And again, the dynamic that drives the vote will be for change. There, it, all of a sudden, people who have, haven't voted in 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years will vote. Or people who have never voted will vote. Or people who have voted mostly Democrat will all of a sudden, the silent majority, the <clears throat> Reagan Democrats, if you will, will show up and uh, vote for Trump. Enough African-Americans will vote for Trump to sufficiently depress his take in the black community that it makes his number that makes her numbers in the white working class community all of a sudden not work. But all all it comes down to is, do you want change or not? And the and the subtitle of this book is, can this election be compared to any other, any other, Frank, or not? If it yes. can be, if it can be, Hillary Clinton wins. But if it, it cannot it, be, if dynamics are such that it cannot be, 
reliably compared to any other American election. And I think a case can be, a strong case for that can be made. You know, if, if the people who say, you know what, you can't, with Bill Hammer of Fox said to Carl Rove yesterday morning, I recognize your genius, I'm paraphrasing, I recognize your genius and experience, and you know more about this than en- you know anybody else knows. But, and you consider what he's a- who he's asking, what he's asking. He's essentially saying, you know, if you if you answer me the, if you give me the answer I'm looking for, you're essentially admitting that we ought to fire you right now, <laughs> because we don't need you. But he's saying he's saying to Carl Rove, uh, isn't it also utterly plausible? That we cannot measure what's going on. That this election is so different than any other election we've ever had, certainly in the TV radio you know, age, that there is no way to look at any conventional measure. Any poll you want doesn't really matter. Because what matters is, is there a silent majority that wants to flush the system out, that's willing to go to the polls and say, we'll take a chance with... Uh, uh, Trump or Ishka Bibble or John Schmoo or anybody else because it ain't the status quo. And Frank, it's either going to be that kind of election or it ain't with the most very predictable results. I I just, I think Trump's going to, uh, Trump is going to be Trump. He's not going to change. And I think I he would need to. I think he would need to. If Trump were in Groundhog Day, the movie, you know, as Bill Murray's character, yep, it would yep. still be Groundhog Day. It will never yep. change. He'll be I agree. In town, all the rest of his forever. Uh, however, I don't see however, it changing. Is there is there a third way? And I I say this knowing I'm invoking the detestable slogan of uh, uh, wet socialists. Uh, headed by uh, Tony Blair back in the Clinton era, Tony Blair in the UK, when he rose on a third way. The the philosophical and rhetorical parallels of Tony Blair and how he came to power in the UK and Bill Clinton are frightening. I mean, I, I could pretty much think they were lovers uh, in one way or another. But, but Tony Blair I- I invoked this third way. All right, I'm going to invoke it, but in a totally different context. Is there a third way, Frank? And that is to say, can Trump not change, be Trump, let Trump be Trump, but not change him, but advise him such that he gets up there and he's total no teleprompters, okay? Let Trump be Trump, but tell him, that all of his wise guy, wise cracks, everything he does, people love it, but confine them to jobs, the economy, national security, illegal immigration. Just hammer those. Sure, hammer Hillary, hammer her personally, but always use as an adjunct to everything you say Make sure one of those three or four issues is always the spearhead of what you're saying. Then I think Trump wins. You 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 sub, you you uh, tease about uh, having ADD. Do you think? I mean, now we're talking about Trump, which is like you know, 
What did you, what did you say? Like an ant on crack? Oh, no. A gnat on crack. A gnat kind of on focus. crack. Yeah, a gnat on crack, that kind of focus. Do you think he can keep from going astray and opening his mouth and saying dumb things? Largely. Not, well, I think the beauty of this is we're not trying to get We're not involved. saying. Well, I'm not suggesting, Frank, that we tell him to go on teleprompter. I'm not suggesting we tell him to start talking about buying the world a Coke and singing in perfect harmony. I'm saying talk about the things that make you different, that are most appealing, that you can talk about uh, without cue cards. Jobs, the economy, national security, illegal immigration. Talk about those things and then hammer Hillary personally. But just make sure for every, you know, one minute you've got in there of hammering Hillary and how crooked, dishonest, lying she is, and Obama is too. Fine. That's necessary. It's not only acceptable, it's necessary. Put it in there. But for every minute of that, make sure you include a minute of, let me tell you how I'm going to make this building in America, American steel again, and American steel workers, and I'm going to create jobs. That's what he has to do. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Partners, as I suspect you know, because you are partners here, that it is still an A-block news item that night before last, as we slept, there was the hum of jet engines out at, I don't know which Washington airport it was, but a jet without markings that belongs to our Central Intelligence Agency waited to take off while representatives of the Obama administration loaded $400 million aboard. Those $400 million were actually not in dollars because it violates too many laws. And this whole thing is money laundering, by the way. Uh, the Justice Department raised a formal objection when they found out about this. And they said, we have a very bad feeling about America sending $400 million, which has been laundered into Swiss francs and Deutschmarks, and then sending it aboard a private, corporate, unmarked plane, i.e. CIA, to Iran at the exact instant that a plane from Iran was landing with, with American hostages and other things we wanted. But Obama overruled. Do you know that negotiating with terrorists is in violation of American law? I mean, is illegal? And so is any kind of quid pro quo. 
The 400 million that we just laundered and sent to the Iranians, in addition to the hundreds of billions we gave them months ago, can be spent on anything they want without restriction. Or as, yes, Wolf Blitzer of CNN. Wolf Blitzer said last night, this money can be spent without restriction. We will never know how this money is spent. It could be spent on building highways or creating a pure water plant, water purification plant in Iran, or, hmm, let me see, or it could be given directly to ISIS or Hamas who uses the money to turn around and kill our allies or attack Americans, including killing Americans in America. But your president is most recently guilty of laundering and sending 400 million American dollars, uh, quickly converted into francs and Deutschmarks and some other minor currencies, sending it to the Iranians. And if you listen to the people who know about these things, do not include me, but the people who know about these things say the chances are overwhelming that the Grand Ayatollah will direct this money instantly into the hands of the North Koreans, the uh, Hamas, uh, etc., And though it's still a block news, just because we happen to have some video of a plane in the middle of the night uh, with bags of money, that's that's what makes it a story. And it won't be a story by tomorrow because we don't have the attention span and we don't care. We don't care. And nobody has understood, ever has understood, how little Americans know or bother to know as Barack Hussein Obama. The, the, the key to everything he has become and is and has ever been is that he correctly estimated our sloth and ignorance. That he recognized that post I'm going to call it post-1960. I think that's pretty much when it happened. It's really post-World War II, because everything that happened in 1950 and 60 happened as a result of the children of the people who fought World War II, of the culture that fought World War II. America changed more than America has ever changed in anything remotely like that period of short period of cosmic space between World War II and 1960. That's when was set in place everything that's choking the former republic known as the United States of America and which makes possible a criminal and a scumball like Barack insane Obama wherever he was born. Rock
Hey. Hey, my friend. I, uh, What's happening? I agree with. Oh, t- nothing good. I don't think. Nothing yeah, really. I I know. Yeah. Ask me about my my crops instead. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, here we are stuck with our two choices. You know, we got uh, Satan's chief financial officer, Trump, and we got <laughs> Satan's Satan's prostitute on the other hand, right? Uh, you know, I'm opting for the third. The third possibility. Oh, sweet, merciful meteor of death. (laughs) Please. please. (laughs) At least it will make a great follow-up, a major motion picture, right? Oh, take this this choice away from me. You were just talking about the the Iranian deal. I was reading about, uh, uh, what's his name, his press secretary. I, I'm blocking him. Oh, the guy from state? Uh, uh, Obama's president. Oh, no, the guy from the White House. The, uh, yeah. I can't, I can't remember his name. The young, good-looking guy I'm, that never, I'm, ever yeah. moves his right arm. And I, I want to say yeah. quickly, I believe that it's possible, someone needs to tell me this, is if he is disabled. Because um, for all I know, really, seriously, he. you know how Bob Dole cannot and thus does not move yeah. his right arm yeah well bob dole bob dole bob dole cheerleads with that right arm compared to this young guy who is the press secretary at at the white house right now he has never moved his right arm and i before i make fun of him i want to make sure that i'm not making fun of someone with a disability well i don't think that it's making fun of him anyways it's an observation that you're asking for the answer to we're not we're yeah, not belittling yeah. him or anything like that. It's just an observation. But, so what fired um, your fires? Today? Well, I just wanted to mention that one, and then I wanted to come back to your, your short attention span, because I really love that. He said, you know, they make a big deal about, and they should, the $400 million worth of cash that we send over there in cash. But he goes on to say that... Uh, we already paid one point three million, and that was for the interest billion. on the four hundred. Yeah, bill, yeah, billion. Excuse me. Right, right. The interest on the four hundred million that was three uh, thirty years ago. So here he is. He's bragging about what a great deal it is. They shipped four hundred million over, but we got a great deal. We only paid one point three billion in interest. <laughs> yeah. Now this guy is killer sharp. Yeah. Oh, it's just crazy. But I think you really have something in the short attention span and that uh, Trump is, he's a horse of a different color. And this this campaign is a horse of a different color. They might be able to do polls and statistics and stuff, but he just is not, he doesn't conform to any of the rules. You know, I think the one speech that I heard him make that I do think he used teleprompter, and I think that, you know, his campaign manager and those guys forced him, and that was during the RNC convention. And oh, yeah. He stayed yeah, he on, admitted he to stayed that, on yeah. Point. Yep, he stayed on point, and you could actually tell he was very mechanical. He, he wasn't exciting at all. If he goes off, if he goes on the teleprompter, all that energy goes away. Well, that's the, that's the problem, becomes, Rock. People can yeah. instantly tell, viscerally, they don't need to be following the news 
like we we do here. They don't need to follow right. the news closely to know when right. Trump is on prompter. They just know that, wow, this is dull. This is not the Donald Trump that, you know, got me excited. And that's that's the conundrum for Trump right now. He if he goes on prompter, mostly he can't possibly win. If he stays no. off, uh, if he stays off prompter entirely, he can't possibly win. He has to do a hybrid of the two. He just has to be himself. But they've got to get to him and say, "We're going to beat you. We're going to beat you with sticks. We're going to be waiting here with lacrosse sticks just off stage. Yeah. We're going to beat you if you don't. You could say anything you want to say, so long as you tick those four boxes. You know." Uh, then we're fine but he's got to incorporate the you know jobs economy national security illegal immigration and whatever the heck it was i said before and you know and bash bash hillary of course but the thing is change 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 i am a change agent i am for change she is for the status quo which do you want more of the same or change that's it if you could say only that i mean at 30 years in the business and if if this were America's Got Talent, and they called me up for my turn, and they said, "What would you tell Trump?" I'd say, "Change or more of the same," and I'd sit down. You know, that's because I can't give what? anything better than that. There is nothing better than that. That is the quintessence of this circumstance and this moment in political history. I have one caution about the change, though. Is you know we had Obama with hope and change, and you know change seems like a good thing. You need to know where that change is going uh, uh, somewhat along. That's why. uh, That's why, Rock. You need to tick all four boxes. That's why you need to go out there and define the change. And I I don't fear that change has been sullied as a term or a concept by Obama so long as Trump goes out there and, and Trump is Trump and he ticks the other boxes, which in effect does, you know, uh, uh, define what change means because Rocky right. when you've got an electorate 70% of which says my country is off the rails I have never seen the dynamics in place such as they are right now for a change election Rocky hold I gotta uh, make this break Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network Best and brightest back with managing partner Rocky. Rocky, we've got about two and a half. It's yours. Okay. Hey, uh, Josh Ernst. That was the name we we're looking yes. for. Yes. Yes. Thank I you. Guess. Wolf. Wolf uh, uh, tapped us a minute ago with Josh Ernst and uh, uh, the other Dink. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, Kirby. I shouldn't say Dink. He's an admiral in the Navy, and so <laughs> I, he deserves my respect. <laughs> I get so excited when we get on the air. I've got, like you said, like a crack, uh, a gnat on crack. I got so many things to say and so little time to say it. And I know the feeling. Tight. But uh, uh, 
when you were talking about change, I absolutely agree with everything you said about change. It's just that I still go back to, you know, we've got the chief financial officer and we got the prostitute to choose from here. So yeah, uh, I, got I, ap- know. I, I got apprehensions either way. Uh, but there are always differences. Like I tweeted when we were waiting to re- reunite here, you know, Josh Ernst never, ever moves his right arm. And I don't know if this is connected, but Hillary Clinton never, ever moves her right testicle when she's waddling, which is amazing and I, when you think about it. I, re- I replied back to you and I said, yeah, <laughs> she hasn't achieved the swagger of Michelle who get, gets, gets the whole package swinging <laughs> man you are disrespectful man that's wrong man thank, thank, thank you very much <laughs> sweet meteor of death <laughs> you're going to you're going to hr man yeah uh, i don't know where that is in my line of business <laughs> uh, all right we have 60 Trump, seconds you want to finish strong here rockefeller okay, come on I just, I just wanted to say, uh, Trump just started getting these TS briefings, and he saw the palace of money, and after getting <laughs> these TS briefings that he's not supposed to talk about, he came right out and, and talked to people and told them what he saw, and he sounded just like Josh Hurt's uh, rendition of the money. He made it sound like yeah. I just want to slide this in while it's still relevant, and if it still is or ever was, Rock. Everybody, especially those of us who are voting with whatever degree of reluctance or not for Trump, or expecting to, must read this New Yorker magazine piece. And if you've read it, you can say, you know what? I've heard the worst. You know, there could be worse, but probably not. I have now read the worst, and I can still say better than Hillary's, but better than not seeing. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.